Welcome to Samford University's Campus Worship. We hope you enjoy the presentation. Good morning. My name is Doug Clapp. I'm on the faculty at the College of um, the Howard College of Arts and Sciences. I'm buzzing. I teach in the Department of Classics, so I teach Greek and I teach Latin and I teach a lot of CP. Um, we're going to think about wisdom today, and I've actually prepared a manuscript, which means uh, sort of like old school sermons. I've typed out uh, my thoughts in part. If you're sitting near one of my CP students. Um, They'll say, thank goodness he's typed out his thoughts because that means there's an end to them. Um, and in fact, although I rec requested a double convo, they said that nonetheless, you, you have to be dismissed um, at a certain time. And so I'm going to try to deliver these thoughts that I've tried to articulate as clearly as I can. Um, I'm going to have some butterflies because there's a lot of y'all. Um, my classes are much smaller. Most of you, I've seen that. I thought I saw a face I knew, but uh, most of you I don't know. So it's a little odd having what's supposed to be sort of a some sort of odd one-sided conversation with, uh, there's Anna, hi Anna, um, with, uh, with a lot of folks, I know Anna, and I thought I saw Lydia here, there's Lydia, um, but a lot of folks I know, so I'm gonna have a little butterflies. Um, the, uh, I may have mentioned this, the, uh, what I, the title that I would give to this manuscript is Majoring in Wisdom, uh, and uh, we're gonna pray first, but before we pray, I was just thinking about a snap decision that my wife and I made uh, Samford has a lot of email lists, and so you get emails all the time from Samford. Um, one of these lists is the classified list. So that means if people wanna, who mostly work at Samford want to save the trouble of having a garage sale, they just say, hey, I want to get rid of this. And it turns out that with maybe a 1,000 people or something that work at Samford, someone might snap it up. And so a classified came through the other day. And I, I've never bought anything from the classifieds, and I normally, I don't know why I stay subscribed, but I normally just delete them. I guess I stay on it because it's just nice to be able to delete some emails. And be like, oh, I deleted that one, that's good. Um, but it came through and it said, our son is done with his train set, with his Imaginarium train table. Um, and so we've got all the pieces we've taken apart. It's all sort of carefully um, stored. And, uh, and if you're willing to meet our price, um, you, could, you could take this train table home. And so I, I almost immediately, uh, I think I first forwarded it to Sarah, my wife, and then I called her, um, I was like, there's no way our house has room for, I mean, a train table's three foot by three foot, and uh, we do all right at Sanford, but we don't have houses with just like extra rooms where you say, oh, we'll put a train table, but she's like, we've, we've got to do it, because Annie, um, at Annie's grandma's house, my mother-in-law's house in Pensacola, uh, she gets to play with her uncle's old, old train set. And in fact, her grandma, Pat Pat, has, a, uh, has this massive tome of Thomas the Train stories that are really actually kind of uncomfortable to read, but nonetheless, she, she's very in love with it. And in fact, for her birthday a month ago, Pat Pat sent her her own, uh, she found a used edition. I don't think for good reason they print this book anymore, but she found a used edition, so now we have our own Thomas the Train Engine. Um, hard thing about that book is that it's got all these pictures that illustrate the stories on the front and back cover. And so Annie says, I want to read that one. And she points to a picture. And you're like, oh, okay, this is a 300-page book. And I just have to find this picture so that we can read the story. And so you start flipping through because until you find the story with the right picture, that's not the one we're going to read. But this train, this train set was for sale. I call Sarah. She's like, we got to do it. we got to do it. So I email and... Uh, just yesterday afternoon, and it felt a little illicit. There we were on the top of the law deck, two trunks open, cash being exchanged. 
for a train set, and I loaded it up, um, and I took it home, and it wasn't, it's, it hasn't rained in months, and hof- uh, hopefully it'll rain soon, but it doesn't look like it's going to rain for a while. I just left it outside where Annie couldn't see it, and then last night after she went to bed, we went onto our little back porch that's screened in and covered, and we set it up, and, uh, and so this morning, Annie uh, came out of the room, uh, the clock turns green and lets her out at 6.05, um, she would come out earlier if she could, but uh, um, when Sarah got up, which is a good bit after Annie gets up, we, we opened the door, and Annie, to see this three-year-old speechless this morning, it just, it's going to be this beautiful memory for all of my life, and I'm looking at you big people, and I'm thinking of my little person, and thinking somehow my little person's going to become a big person, um, but this morning, she opened the door, and she said, it's, 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 and she just couldn't say anything else, and she just stopped there, and I think, at the end of every month, we are trying to make sure that we've paid our bills and, and that our, our budget is set. Um, and so we splurge, but uh, I think about wisdom and I think it feels, like a, it feels like a wise, it felt like a good decision, a wise decision to say, you know what, we don't really have the space in our house, a little extra money, there's always things to do with a little extra money, but to just even this moment, this morning, see Annie uh, look out the porch door and just realize what was there. Um, also with the, uh, the email from my colleague who sold it to me, who said, oh, I'm so happy that another little boy will have the chance to love trains. And I was like, well, Annie loves trains. Um, on any given morning, Annie is a, uh, she's a train ballerina monkey mouse is normally, like that's if you said, oh, okay, who are you? Oh, I'm Annie ballerina train. Actually, she's Thomas, typically Thomas the train, uh, but monkey and mouse as well. Um, so that was a quick decision we had to make that I'm be reflecting on the wisdom on, but we're going to step back and pray, and then we're going to uh, hopefully some think some thoughts that also connect to wisdom. Father God, uh, this is your time, most of all, and I pray that uh, this time would be worth your while. I pray for these folks sitting in these pews, um, that you uh, would help them engage and help them hear anything that you've got to say. I pray that uh, any words that come out of my mouth um, would have value in your sight, um, and that anything that I say um, that just doesn't uh, need to stick around, that you would uh, blow that away. Um, so I pray that uh, you would be with us at this time um, and help us uh, to learn to look you in the face. In Christ's name, amen. Don't stealthily move back the boundary lines or cheat orphans out of their property, for they have a powerful advocate who will go to bat for them. Those are not my words, of course. They come from the 23rd chapter of Proverbs, verses 10 and 11 in the contemporary language of Eugene Peterson's The Message, the more formal English Standard Version translates the original Hebrew, do not move an ancient landmark or enter the fields of the fatherless, for their redeemer is strong. He will plead their cause against you. Now I have a certain degree of confidence that not one of you seated here in Reed Chapel today has ever moved an ancient landmark in order to stealthily move back boundary lines. Nor, I suspect, have you entered the fields of the fatherless, even if by that we mean cheated orphans out of their property. If I'm right, then I congratulate you on your foresight in leaving ancient boundary stones where they belong and not cheating the orphans. But if I'm wrong, and you have been out there moving boundary lines and cheating orphans, then a strong redeemer and a powerful advocate stands ready to defend them and to accuse you. It's probably not a stretch to infer that in the Proverbs, this redeemer, this advocate, is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, 
the creator of the, of the universe, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, in which case you probably wouldn't want to cross him. Now, as we read these somewhat obscure lines, we might agree that they are far removed from the life of a 21st century college student in Birmingham, Alabama. These words were written two and a half to 3,000 years ago. That's a mighty long time. These words were written a mighty long way from here. These words were written to speak to a culture completely ignorant of the foundations of your existence. Instagram, Snapchat, the latest iPhone. These words were instead written to prepare youth to navigate life in a society immersed in olives, figs, sheeps, goats. Oh, but there is a connection. Did you hear it? It's not the olives and the figs. I'm afraid that most of you may be like me, not care so much for olives or figs. No, one way this proverb can speak to us is that the ancient Israelites wanted to prepare their adolescence for mature adulthood. Now, not so long ago, you too were adolescents, and now you are already an adult, making a stop at college on your way to, full to becoming full-fledged grown-ups. You are taking classes in and out of your major department as part of a curricular program designed to give you the tools you need to make your way in the world. Within its very different cultural context, that was the reason for producing the book of Proverbs. Chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, calls, it, calls the book of Proverbs a manual for living, for learning what's right and just and fair, to teach the inexperienced the ropes and give our young people a grasp on reality. What unfolds is a curriculum in 31 chapters with the very first lesson stated clearly in Proverbs 1-7. Start with God. The first step in learning is bowing down to God. Only fools thumb their noses at such wisdom and learning. Now that's from the message. More familiar may be the typical translation of a similar verse at Proverbs 9-10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We see clearly the goal your peers, of your peers in ancient Israel, wisdom. And we see just as clearly the first step in reaching that goal, reverence for a God who is greater than we are. Now flip back to where we started in Proverbs 23, and your Bible might indicate, as mine does, that verses 10 and 11 are saying number 10. Now it's chapter 23, and we're only on saying number 10. After 22 chapters, you'd think we would have made it past 10 sayings. But if we check back in at chapter 22, verse 20, I'm giving you 30 sterling principles, tested guidelines to live by. Now within the larger project of the whole book of Proverbs, there is this smaller, self-contained set of lessons that Peterson calls the 30 precepts of the sages, and other Bibles like to call the 30 sayings of the wise. Yes, the whole of Proverbs consists of the sayings of the wise, but here's a particular collection of wise counsel designed to serve the purpose of transforming ornery teenagers into the wiser heads that we hope prevail, certainly on a day like today. Now this morning, I invite you to briefly travel with me through some landmarks from the 30 sayings of the wise on this particular roadmap toward wisdom, which, let's be frank, may not be why you're at Sanford. You're here to become an elementary school teacher or an accountant or an emergency room nurse or a graphic designer. You are training in social work or sociology, in marketing or musical performance, in Spanish or speech pathology. You and your, probably your family, are investing significant amounts of time and money so that you can earn a degree that will pay dividends in meaningful, 
and meaningfully compensated career that helps you pay the bills and take vacations and purchase the latest iPhone so incomprehensible to the ancient Israelites. I assume based on conversations with my sections of UCCP 101 over the years that your hopes for the future and the role a college degree can play in the future have a smaller or larger economic rationale. College leads to jobs, leads to comfortable life. Does that make any sense? I don't know if you believe me. Um, when I poll my CP students, it seems to uh, be um, an accurate approximation. And in fact, I want you to get a job and I want you to pay your bills. We'd have to be a little more careful in qualifying what we mean by comfortable life before I get on board with that and your dream vacations and you're acquiring the latest technological gadgets. Perhaps Proverbs and its 30 sayings of the wise can help us think about that, but the wise do support your vocational aspirations. Saying number five, AKA Proverbs 22:29, observe people who are good at their work. Skilled workers are always in demand and admired. They don't take a back seat to anyone. If you excel at your chosen craft, you will earn respect as well as a living. Wisdom doesn't settle for mediocrity. This is affirmed if we, move, uh, if we may move just past our 30 sayings to a section titled More Sayings of the Wise at the end of Proverbs chapter 24. I'm particularly fond of verses 30 to 34. One day I walked by the field of an old lazy bones and then passed the vineyard of a lout. They were overgrown with weeds, thick with thistles, all the fences broken down. I took a long look and pondered what I saw. The field preached me a sermon and I listened. A nap here, a nap there, a day off here, a day off there. Sit back, take it easy, do you know what comes next? Just this, you can look forward to a dirt poor life with poverty as your permanent house guest. So pursue your calling and know that the wise in Proverbs support you, but don't stop there. For wisdom does not stop at career or vocation. Wisdom, we will see, looks beyond your bills and your vacations and your comfortable life. It is a larger calling. And I assume, based on your attendance at a service of campus worship, that some of you or many of you or most of you, if not all of you, are present because you believe that your lives and mine depend on the grace of a loving God who issues this greater call. You can read it in Micah 6, 8, do justly love mercy, walk humbly with your God. You can read it in red letters when Jesus summarizes the commandments in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The book of Proverbs in general and the 30 sayings of the wise in particular describe the wisdom evident in the people, of, in the people who heed God's call. Now it isn't a theological treatise about the relationship between the human and the divine, but it is instead a series of practical offerings that Eugene Peterson in his introduction to the book of the Proverbs calls, and I quote, the art of living skillfully in whatever actual conditions we find ourselves. And although Peterson continues, and I quote again, a college degree is no certification in wisdom, I would like to invite you to consider majoring like your counterparts in ancient Israel in wisdom. I don't think you'll find it in Sanford's catalog, but if you look in attentively, I do think you may find it inside of your classrooms and outside of your classrooms. And I do think that you will find it beneficial. According to saying 20, it takes wisdom to build a house and understanding to set a firm foundation. 
It takes knowledge to furnish its rooms with fine furniture and beautiful draperies. I don't think we're stretching it to say that our, the author of our Proverbs has moved into metaphor and although, uh, and is thinking about the house of our lives and not just the actual house that uh, it takes wisdom to build. It also takes money to build a house, it turns out. Um, but when we think about the firm foundation, you may remember that Jesus had something to say in Matthew 7 about constructing a house on a firm foundation, rock or sand, your choice. And if your parents express concern that you want to add wisdom to your current degree plan, I share saying 26. Eat honey, dear child, it's good for you, and delicacies that melt in your mouth. Likewise, knowledge and wisdom for your soul. Get that and your future's secured. Your hope is on solid rock. A secure future, a solid rock. That is what wisdom can bring you. Our author uses honey as an enticement because honey is going to be one of the few things that offer that sweetness that um, I find that uh, my tongue really enjoys. And when I think about the difference between our world and the ancient world that is a member of the Department of Classics I study closely, I often think of terms of air conditioning. I'm awful glad that we have air conditioning. I think of iPods and the difference they've made. And then I think of one of my favorites, which is ice cream. Um, so I can substitute ice cream in there and think just as I can get excited um, when a deli actually I can, I'm going to take students to Rome in January and uh, I get excited of thinking about our three times a trip, uh, three times a day trip to the gelato, gelateria, where we will uh, purchase our Italian ice cream. Um, the author of Proverbs is saying, if we invest in wisdom, it can have that same effect. It can have that same effect. So it's a worthy investment of your time and energy. And in fact, the author of the Proverbs thinks that your parents will love it. Saying 13, dear child, if you become wise, I'll be one happy parent. My heart will dance and sing to the tuneful truth you'll speak. Now, I'm a pretty new parent. Annie's three and Nora is 18 months. And as I pray for them and as I try to guide them as they move from infants to toddlers uh, to little people who have minds of their own and a lot to speak, that is my prayer, that they can grow up um, and, and know God's grace and goodness and love, but they can grow up and be wise as evidenced by wise choices they make. So I'll be a ha happy parent if Annie and Nora um, grow up and display God's wisdom. Now, if you pursue this degree in wisdom, I can't promise it will be an easy A. Saying 11, give yourselves to disciplined introduction. Open your ears to tested knowledge. Saying 17, dear child, I want your full attention. Please do what I show you. You can't skate your way to wisdom. It's going to take some work. The curriculum will compel you to pay attention to your relationships, to your role models, saying too, don't hang out with angry people, don't keep company with hotheads, saying 29, don't bother your head with braggarts or wish you could succeed like the wicked. Those people have no future at all, they're headed down a dead-end street, saying 19, don't envy bad people, don't even want to be around them. Attending to the words in the Proverbs is going to direct you to attend to those whom you surround you with, but the classes in wisdom will also force you to take a hard look at your own character, saying 23, the person who's always cooking up some evil soon gets a reputation as a prince of rogues, saying 24, if you fall to pieces in a crisis, there wasn't much to you in the first place. 
The coursework, however, will not let you be self-absorbed, worried about your own future, focused on your own spiritual growth. Wisdom understands that we live in community, that your heart is made evident through your actions. Saying 25, rescue the perishing. Don't hesitate to step in and help. If you say, that's none of my business, will that get you off the hook? Someone is watching closely, you know, someone not impressed with weak excuses. Put more simply in more sayings at Proverbs 24, 24, it's wrong, it's very wrong to go along with injustice, which can bring us back to where we started. Maybe you haven't moved back the boundary lines or cheated orphans out of their property, but if we pay attention and read between the lines through the lines, the proverb wants us to ask how our actions affect others. How do our actions affect others. To be blunt on this day that was called momentous and is in fact an important day in the life of the community that we may be ambassadors to, we may just be passing through, but we are part of. And in Nehemiah, God calls us to look to the good of the city. Then to be blunt, if you build that wall, what impact does it have on orphans? What impact does it have on those who need justice? Conversely, if we say that a child still in the womb is just somebody's choice, what impact does that have um, on the world that we live on, on how we conceive of our children, on how we raise our children? When we are told to rescue the perishing, when we are told that we are not allowed to say that it is none of our business, it's not okay if we just put on blinders and ignore what's going on around us, that's not an excuse. It's not okay if we just stick our fingers in our ears, stick our ostrich head in the sand, and continue to go about our comfortable lives because God knows where the hurting is, where the injustice is, and God is calling his people to a wisdom that addresses that injustice, that works at the personal level, what's going on inside of you, inside of your heart, but moves from that personal level to the level where you interact with your community um, and not just the community of like-minded that you may surround yourselves with, but the larger world um, to which God has called you to be an ambassador, to which God has you passing through. Our ignorance is no excuse. Now, if you want to follow this track of wisdom, it's clear you can't do it alone. You need friends to walk the journey with you. You also need mentors. It's clear in the Proverbs that there are those instructing um, and those being instructed. And so you need the church. You can't do it without the church, the gathering of God's people. You need the triune God who promises in the first chapter of the letter written by James that if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously and without reproach and it will be given him. God is waiting to give you wisdom and he's waiting for you to ask for it. And I want you to be wise. I want you to graduate from Sanford University and had head out into the world to live your life. And I want for word to come back to Sanford from the people who meet you, who work with you, who live on the same block as you, who worship with you, who engage life alongside you about how impressed they are by your discernment, your decisions, your character. When you're a recent graduate, I want them to be surprised that someone so young appro approaches life so thoughtfully. When the number attached to your Sanford class reunion, first, fifth, tenth, 
rises up into the double digits, I want them to nod with appreciation at your meaningful contributions to the life of your church, your workplace, your town. On a day that culminates a tumultuous year, there's an election today, you know that. After several tumultuous years in our country that we can trace back this latest round to Ferguson in 2014, in a larger world that's full of all sorts of cultural classes, both across religions and across political systems, it is clear that this world and its brokenness needs wisdom. And so it needs the people of God, even if they're just passing through, to seek the good of the city, to humbly offer a gracious wisdom, even when it's out of our own weakness. And so I'll pray and then dismiss us. Father God, you invite us to ask for wisdom. Um, you show us in Proverbs what that wisdom can look like. Uh, we pray that your spirit would draw us to seek your wisdom, and then you would direct us in how to share that wisdom with a world that is hurting that we live in. Um, I pray your blessings on these folks, and I pray that if there's anything of value, that they would be able to take it away with them and leave anything that's not of value behind. Um, and may we know your goodness, your grace, and your love. In Christ's name, amen. For more information about Samford University, check out samford.edu.